0: Hello, Sideshow fans, welcome back. Season 3, Episode 2 of The L... E O. The law enforcement is that what it was, law enforcement officer is that what we're going for
1: the L E O or the le- uh, what are, I guess we're not like lions or anything so I guess the law enforcement officer is the better approach yes well welcome back uh,
0: yeah. we're glad to be back season three's popped off pretty good you got some pretty good listens from the first episode coming back Mm-hmm. so we're glad thanks thanks for uh, listening thanks for sharing. Get the word out, and uh, we're back at it here for episode two Illinois' Deep Dish, which is HB House Bill 3653. You know, I did originally title this episode Illinois' Deep Dish of
1: BS. Can, can, can we just clarify something before we go on? Is, it, is there an S on the end? Do we pronounce the S or do we not?
0: Uh, well, I had to pronounce it because I, I know had to but
1: show possession. You, but you, you, you've heard people talk and they like pronounce it Illinois.
0: I don't agree with that, but I'm not from Illinois. So I think they should be the ones that decide. Do you want to do some research? Silent. I thought it was silent too. Illinois. Illinois. Right, here we go. I'm looking it up right now.
1: Don't you remember, like Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, three zero three five two? Yes, yeah. Here, I I got it. It's
0: I yeah. It's Illinois. There's no S. Okay, just checking. I'm gonna play it. You can't hear that, can you? Mm. Oh yeah, I just played it for myself. Well, Google says Illinois. All right, good. What's what going on with? My question to you, you is, if you're, if you're you're going grammar and and like pronunciation. When you type in Illinois and you want to show possession do you add an extra s and put the apostrophe s or do you put just apostrophe
1: I think it's the word that comes doesn't it depend
0: on the word that comes after I don't know that's why I'm asking no. All right we'll find out Okay so let's get this party started here uh police word of the day Patrick I know what you know this is the nolo contendere So how do you pronounce that one <laughs> We're no like what? Nolo Contendere. That's how I pronounce
1: it. I always thought it was Nolo Contendere. Really? Yeah. Let's look it know. up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in layman's terms, it means no contest.
0: In layman's terms, you're right. But that's not – if we're in a, an official court proceeding, I want to say that they uh, they will not just say – no contest. All right, but here I'll give you the definition while Patrick looks up the pronunciation it's, of it's, no it's Latin. it's Latin, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. yeah, we still have a lot of Latin in our courts. All right, so I have it's a it's a plea by which a defendant in a criminal prosecution accepts conviction as though a uh, as though a guilty plea had been entered, but does not admit guilt. So again, if we're going to go with layman's terms, it's basically saying that. I'm going to say no contest to being found guilty to this. But I'm not going to admit any guilt. But I'm going to be found um but I'm going to be be convicted as if I did plead guilty.
1: Nolo co- contendere. That's what it is. Hmm. We need we need to have uh nolo contendere. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, so that's what it says. I have another one here. I have another one here. It's uh, right. so the nolo contendri is that what you said? Con-
1: yeah, nolo has, it, it's the,
0: So it's the same immediate effects as a plea of guilty, but may have different residual effects or consequences in future actions. For instance, a, convic- a conviction arising from a nolo con I'm going to just pronounce it my way. contendry. Contendry. <laughs> plea is subject to all the penalties, fines, and forfeitures of a conviction of a guilty plea in the same case and can be considered as an aggravating factor in future criminal actions. However, unlike a guilty plea, a defendant in uh, no contendry plea may not be required to allocute allocate. Allocate? No, it's not. It's not Allocate. So what, the charges.
1: <laughs> what the heck does that mean?
0: It means, I think it means that you know how when when you're in a criminal proceeding proceeding and they they do want to enter a guilty plea. What do they have to normally do with that guilty oh, plea? A, collo- a, a
1: colloquy.
0: colloquy. Yeah, yes. a guilty plea colloquy. Well, I don't think they have to do a guilty plea colloquy with this because they're not admitting guilt. So you know, in a guilty plea colloquy, uh, the defendant is basically giving the judge facts of the case so that they can prove that they are guilty. Uh, Hmm. And in this case, they don't
1: have to do that. So what you're saying is that they're basically admitting that there's enough evidence that they're guilty. They're just not technically admitting guilt.
0: Yeah, they're saying that if it went to trial, a jury would convict them. However, they're still keeping their innocence... I guess, and and saying you got me, you got me, exactly. even though I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. My goodness, we should have a vocab day on this one because I, I even you- have more.
1: I I think I have more coming up in this. It's not going to stop here. You have all these uh, Latin terms like "nolo contendere." I
0: want to. Latin- so you could look up that allocu I'm gonna. I look up that pronunciation too. The a l l
1: o c u t e. We, we apologize for the not so much vocab prep on this or pronunciation prep. Yeah, it no is, contender. In layman's terms, we always just use it as the person's pleading no contest. Uh, yeah. That makes it easy. No contest. And you'll hear exactly. that in certain trials where instead of guilt, they'll plead no contest. Allocute.
0: So that I was, I was pretty close. All right. Next, moving on. Case of the week uh i thought this was pretty appropriate not only because we're talking about this house bill 3653 and some of the stuff that's in there which it'll tie into later but also with the uh the uh the, the i guess the rhetoric or the, the that the police are now becoming more of like a military force but that's that's not the case but this case is the people versus v wells And this is a 1985 case. So if you're going to Google this, uh, if you don't want to use the link in the show notes, make sure you type in there 1985 because there is another people, V Wells from early
1: 2000s. So... Hey, make sure when you drop this on Instagram, you add a uh, Bernie Sanders meme to it. We have to. Um, Dude. (laughs) Listen, I
0: went to bed last night and I ended up scrolling through Instagram and... It, dude, some of those are really good. Like weekend at Bernie's, he's sitting there. Did you see that
1: one? Whoever like created those mittens, uh, Alan at work was telling me. Like she, I guess it's some school teacher or something. I don't know if this is true, but was created the mittens and was saying that like she's gotten so much like response to trying to get the mittens and. She's like, I don't make mittens anymore, or something like this, because I'll, everybody's been reaching out trying to find these damn mittens. Wow, <laughs> I've seen I've seen more of him than my like wife. Yep,
0: yeah, he's everywhere right now. He did look miserable. I mean, it was cold. Yeah. He's old. Yeah. So, all right, people v. Wells. This does not include Bernie Sanders. <laughs> okay so we have our wells david mason wells he appeals his uh a trial court uh decision to suppress evidence uh he pled guilty to selling cocaine and the trial court granted him probation well wells seeks reversal contending that uh posse comitatus There's the other there's the other latin term for you buddy Jesus. posse comitatus yeah uh, prescribing willful use of the military to execute the laws was violated and thus his suppression motion should have been granted. So basically, and I'll give you a, I'll deep in, go deeper into this here, but Posse Comitatus is an act. It's um an act that in our uh, U.S. law that says that the U.S. military cannot be used to execute the lo- laws of the state or laws of the, uh, like local police ordinances and things. So you know, you, you just can't have the police. Uh, like you can't have the military pulling traffic. You can't have the military uh, arresting you for, uh, you know, disorderly conduct. It's just, that's that's what it does. It, it prevents that. So, uh, here we go. So in September of 1982, with the goal of taking illegal drug dealers off the streets, the city of Oceanside, and thus uh, minimizing the 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 cell of drugs in nearby Camp Pendleton, the Navy Investigative Services, the NIS, initiated what they called an initiative uh, criminal investigative operation by soliciting the assistance of the Oceanside Police Department. Uh, The operational plan called for the NIS agents and all military policemen to be used as confidential informants immediately under the supervision and surveillance of a particular uh, police officer. So, uh, on June 14th, 1983, the NIS agent, uh, Daryl Merkerson, was working undercover in the Buccaneer Beach area of Oceanside. Officer William Ziegler was also observing within hearing distance of Merkerson. So, Merkerson met Wells, who's the the special guy of our case here, and uh, they ended up making a deal to get some cocaine. And Wells ultimately a bindle. A bindle. Yeah, I, I don't know the this this article that I have in our notes here has many spelling errors, so they need to also work on some of their stuff. However, uh, they agreed on getting some some cocaine, and Wells delivered the cocaine to the officer. Uh, it was actually wrapped in two five dollar bills, so which was the change. From the the money that Markerson had given Wells, so anyway, uh, Ziegler arrested Wells along with two other cocaine sale suspects. Uh, and and if you don't know, this it sounds in in my experience here, it sounds like Wells was the middleman. You know, he was he was the connect. Uh, so he probably you know we've seen this also where he ends up getting a piece of the pie. He gets some coke, he gets some money out of it, whatever. So. Wells contends that the regular and systematic assistance by the military policemen to civil law enforcement in the execution of civilian narcotics laws is in violation of the uh, posse comitatus. And uh, and therefore, that evidence should be suppressed because, again, it says that you can't use the military to execute the laws of the, the state or the local laws. Um, to quote that, it says, uh, to yeah, the U.S. Constitution invest in Congress, the power to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the union. Uh, let's scroll down here in light of the language background and apparent purposes of the posse comitatus act to stop the state use of federal militia, particularly in policing state elections and to prevent the subjugation of citizens to exercise of military power and regulatory uh, prescriptive or compulsory nature. Uh they found no violation of this act the way that they had used uh, the agents, the NIS agents as undercover informants. So uh, I think what Wells failed to realize here is that if the military had carried this out on their own, he would have had a good case. However, because the police were executing their own drug operation with the help of military personnel It didn't violate the Posse Comitatus Act. Uh, And I can tell you that um, throughout many uh, agencies in the U.S., we have different federal agencies working with us. The the three-letter agencies, ATF, DEA, FBI, uh, working with us. Uh, We have what they call them task force officers or TFOs that uh, help them out. Uh, And we even... We even have a military personnel working with our agency. And I think mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, they they can assist us in ways that uh, well, they assist us in manpower and, and some of their resources that we don't have. So, but they're not the ones going out and, and doing our business. They're, you know, always assisting us in our execution of enforcing
1: the law. So kind of say that if you keep saying posse comitatus, you're going to eventually Chuck Schumer it? And say erection. <laughs> I'm glad you sent me that yesterday. Dude, I just got notification that Larry King died.
0: You know, Larry King survived COVID, didn't he? He
1: had it a couple of weeks oh, ago. So. Man, it's, well, he was like up there in age. Yeah. Breaking news.
0: Yeah, well, somebody else died. Who was the baseball legend that died Oh, yesterday? my gosh. Don't even Hank. get me
1: started. Hank Aaron, Hank. man. Yeah. Home run king. That was sad. I'm a, I'm a Braves fan, so that was sad. Nice guy. Everybody says he was a great guy.
0: All right. Henry so, Aaron. rest in Peace. Let's move into this House Bill 3653. And uh, for this is an interesting piece of legislation that's going through Illinois right now that I wouldn't be surprised if we see similar things that come through the rest of the states. But what the reason why we wanted to talk about this today is because some of the things get thrown out of proportion. And uh, Patrick and I have we we have different views on this thing. Like, so the media portrays it as one way, which it seems like, for example. And
1: this is the very first example. We, we, we talked about this last week. They have their their version of how law enforcement should do their jo- should do the job, and we have our own version because we actually do it.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh, this this is being listed in the in the papers as a piece of legislation that is supposed to bring significant changes to policing in Illinois, and this is kind of like what you just said, Patrick. Where, where we're already doing this stuff, so. Uh, it's kind of like a look over here type of thing from the media. Uh, but again, yeah. So like I wrote down here, some of these issues are not issues at all. So let's go through this. And, and the, the bill is broken up into a couple of different sections. The first section we're going to talk about is uh, police accountability. And we talk about reporting in custody deaths. They're making that a requirement. But have you ever heard of a police department that doesn't
1: report on in custody deaths? Oh, uh, geez, not probably not not even within the past ten, fifteen, twenty years.
0: Oh my gosh, it's got it's it's got to be longer than that. Just how do you not uh, Come on, on, on you,
1: you you you're a little naive to the, some of these podunk police departments in the middle of nowhere. But you know, still, right? It I don't know who doesn't report that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What about here? The uh, requiring police to provide a predicate offense for resisting arrest. Wait.
1: So there are they talking about like when you go to arrest somebody and charge them with resisting arrest, there has to be another offense to that. Yes. So, so you I guess the only situation where that would occur where like, I guess you're like arresting somebody for like a warrant or something. Does that count as a predicate offense? Uh, I don't know, but I think that is
0: probably the only thing that I can think of that there wouldn't be an additional charge. Uh, So like for the audience who aren't police officers is that if I'm going to arrest Patrick Cortland for assaulting his wife, then the and then he resists arrest, he would still get charged with, you know, the assault on his wife. Right. Right. As well as resisting arrest. So I think what the me what they're trying to get through here is that officers just can't arrest somebody for resisting arrest that there has to be a lawful arrest to precede that. And again, great. No problems with that. Go ahead and do it. We're not gonna fight you on it. It makes sense. Good. You know, write it down, make it a thing. And maybe that's what this is more aimed at, Patrick, through those, like you said, podunk police departments that don't have some of these rules in place.
1: Yeah. uh Uh, prohibits chokeholds huh
0: yeah it prohibits chokeholds and that's an interesting one
1: yeah so ours is our policy is and it's been this way since i've started and been 12 years is chokeholds are only allowed in uh like when you're faced or i guess deadly force situation so what that means is you're back against the wall and it's you know you're trying to either protect someone else's life or your life and that's the only time you can use a chokehold
0: which makes sense you know right. it, it's actually a prohibit chokeholds except in a deadly force scenario so again correct uh, Patrick Cortland is being uh I don't be you're on the ground fighting with the suspect he grabs your gun the only thing uh you know he's he has it out of the holster and he's about to point at you, you, uh, Patrick Collin, you're immediately a affa- uh, inf- afraid that you're going to lose your life. You can place him in a, a rear naked shake, uh, choke and boom, you're fine. You can do that. You can well, play put him well, a a only, I guess the only,
1: the only time I would, yeah, that'd be time. Or like you come up behind someone, they're physically assaulting someone like like seriously assaulting someone, you know, with a knife, beating them up to the point that they're going to suffer, serious bodily injury, potentially death, you come up behind them and use a chokehold. That'd, that'd probably be the only time I've ever seen it. And I've never seen anybody do it since I've started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, we're fine with that. It's it it's, you know, we don't use chokeholds. A lot of places around us don't use chokeholds. It is merely for the fact of a life or death instance. Yeah. This police accountability uh, increases police training. Good. Let's do it. Give us some more training. That means you got to increase our budget because you can't take away from other parts of our budget. So uh, because once you start taking away, then things become deficient and and then you're going to complain about that. So give us more police training. Give us more of a police budget. I saw that this is coming, and this is coming around to a lot of different states. Require mental health screenings. And I know specifically for our state is that they're requiring mental health screenings post a, uh, deadly force incident, like required, required. Like you, you, we cannot, you know, you cannot say as an officer, I'm good. You don't have to worry about me. I'm, uh, you know, it didn't bother me that much or I can handle no, it.
1: Don't,
0: we require that already, don't we?
1: Yeah. But I'm saying as a state
0: they're requiring. Oh,
1: uh, okay. Yeah. Our, we do that anyway. require mental health screenings after a, you know, critical incident. Yeah uh we're adding these duty to intervenes,
0: and that's hmm. again that's sweep that 's sweeping across the country again. Do you have a problem with that no yeah. not on the not on the surface, but the the tricky thing with duty to intervene is that it can get really
1: subjective
0: uh yeah but it, it's just it's not so clear so the example that that's I used plan. the other day is that if I arrive on scene and all you know Patrick and I get dispatched to a domestic and we both uh he arrives on scene a minute before I do when I get there I see Patrick in the backyard rolling around with this guy and you know punching him and whatever i have no idea what patrick is doing but patrick who got there a minute before me you know already saw the you know it's a domestic say the, the the you know a female got beat up uh, he already saw the female mate, uh, the guy tried running, he saw a holster, you know, doesn't know where the gun is. The guy is resisting arrest. And, you know, now Patrick's trying to end this fight, uh, potentially a deadly force fight. He's trying to get him under control, you know, do, and it's, it's completely two different perspectives of, of what's happening. You know, I arrive on scene and I see him using force. I don't know why he's using force. Patrick's there. He wants me to come in and help out. So again, it's, it's a really touchy subject to figure out what exactly is a duty to intervene. But I think the way that we get around that is that you have to have like a clear instance of, of,
1: well, that's what I'm saying. Like this is, that's a very subjective thing though. you know, God forbid that the officer gets brought up on charges or violation of policy. It's going to be, you know, well, you know, to, it's got to be in the, you know, judged from that, that, you know, 2020 hindsight, such as whatever the officer believed that needed to occur at the time, whether or not they needed to render aid. Yeah, well,
0: I think I think people are thinking that it's cut and dry as in like George Floyd. George Floyd is is, uh, you know, a duty to intervene you know what was it? One of the officers there said, "Hey, you know, do you think we should do this? Do you think we should do that?" It yeah, wasn't really yeah. direct in his in his, but he knew that something should happen. So I think that that yeah. is more like a duty to intervene, where it's like, "Hey, you you need to, uh, you know, take charge, do something, and know that the department will back you up on that too." But the uh, but yeah, it's just not so clear cut. I think that people are thinking of like, you know, Patrick's walking a guy to the car the guy says, hey, you look like you're going bald and you're fat. And Patrick slams him up against the car and starts beating him up. That That is a clear instance where Patrick needs to be, you know, somebody needs to intervene and, and you know, tell a supervisor or whatever it is. And again, it's, it, you know, there is uh, I don't know if, there is somewhat of like, I don't want to tell on your partner. You know, you don't want to be that tattletale guy, but you know that's part of the thing in in policing that it is that does have to change. Does have to get up into times in two thousand twenty one that you can't be afraid to say, "Hey, this person violated somebody's rights."
1: But the the same so people don't understand. Like when we're called to the carpet and we're and we're required to answer, you know, or what happened. Like we have to do it. It's part of our, you know, employment. Rules. Yeah, we have to. Uh,
0: let's see here. Duty to render aid. Again, that's not a big deal. We'll, we'll do that. I think this is another thing that is, comes down to training. You know, Say you do use deadly force on somebody and they go down. There's no longer a threat. There's no longer a threat of deadly force needed. But the person is is dying. You have a duty to render aid. And again, that's something that police departments already do. They're now codifying it, writing it down, putting it in black and white so that nobody can say that they don't know about it. Uh, Police misconduct database. What's your thoughts about that, Patrick?
1: Dude, this is probably the best one that they have in here. Long
0: needed. Listen. Yeah. We've said it, and every cop has said it across the nation post-George Floyd when this all became a hot topic. Nobody likes... All right, let's see. Nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop. So this is the thing. Do we want somebody to bounce around from police department to police department and then end up with us and make us look bad? Absolutely not. You want to uh, have a police con- misconduct database? Uh, go right ahead. But I can see issues being with this because... Yeah, it, it, it would have to be just like founded complaints. You know guessed. what I mean? right. And that's, that's the issue I could see is that... are these complaints founded or not? Because just like anybody, whether, you know, whatever occupation you have, you do not want to be labeled a certain way just because somebody doesn't like you.
1: Yeah. We get, we get tons of frivolous complaints all the time against officers that are investigated and determined to be, you know, not factual or falsified and all that type of stuff. So it's gotta be founded complaint. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, Let's move on to the reforming ah. detainee and prisoner rights. Uh, this is one thing that maybe this is specific to Illinois, but the, the, uh, they're codifying it now that uh, they have the ability to make three free phone calls within three hours of arrival at a police station and before questioning. Really? Like, that
1: seems like a lot. Man, I don't know how that's going to be put into place either. Whatever. Yeah,
0: I mean, does that mean that no questioning can occur for three hours, or does this mean that up to three hours they have the opportunity to make three like, free is, phone calls?
1: So to get around that, the first thing I would do is I would just question the person on the street. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't get that ability to make three free phone calls within three hours of arrival at police station before and before questioning.
0: The thing is, and you and I know this too, and again, we have no problem with a person calling their attorney. We have no problem, you know, a lot of times Patrick and I have no problem with them calling their loved one and saying, hey, I'm, lo- I'm getting locked up, you know, yeah, love you. Put, put some bread on my books. <laughs> put, some, put some bread on my books, we had somebody say. <laughs> and, uh, and but our problem with it, some of the problem with this is like tipping other people off. So, uh, you know, you're talking, hey, I just got arrested. The cops are on to me. You know, take that package from my bedroom and give it to, you know, give it to Frank. Like that. that's the kind of stuff that is an issue with calls like that, because you don't know where the investigation is. You really don't want them to call. Uh, I think what is, what is our policy or at least a, a guideline that we normally follow for people getting arraigned on criminal charges is that they don't get a phone call until... The judge sees them, right, and then after that, they get as many phone calls as they want. But, but again, it, 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 this, I guess this is talking about questioning. And if you're going to be questioning somebody, you know, they have the right to have an attorney. They have the right to say no. So, uh, the ability to retrieve phone numbers from cell phones—not that big of a deal. Uh, this, I guess, you know, I always think that what, what's the saying about uh, you'll get more bees with honey than vinegar or more flies what's Black- the saying
1: what's the I, saying i don't know but i'm pretty sure that's not it <laughs> <laughs> you catch more flies with
0: honey than vinegar i have no idea but come on well you know what I'll, i'm getting at here yes so basically if i'm want if i want to question somebody <laughs> and and i want to have that you know, rapport, I want to be able to talk to them. I think and it's been my experience that saying, no, you can't talk to anybody on the phone. No, you can't get anything out of your phone. Then it kind of doesn't do well for that relationship and that rapport. So I always think it's a decent idea to, to do that again. Maybe if there's a bigger investigation going on, that would be uh, not good, but, hey, Illinois is codifying it now that no matter what, they have the ability to retrieve phone numbers from their phone. Because sometimes if you're taking their phone, they're not going to have it with them uh, for a long while. So, What about this one? I know you have an opinion about this, Patrick. Prohibits people with less than four months on their sentence from being imprisoned.
1: That's quite interesting. That means like like, you're basically...
0: Shortening sentences by four months.
1: I know. And I understand the rationale behind it for like low-level crimes, misdemeanors and stuff, but like with like major like crimes, like armed robbery, you know, homicide, that type of like, that's ridiculous to me. Well,
0: it's part of the sentence. Plus, I mean, (sighs) is anybody thinking about the victims in these cases too? Like the victims get some sort of closure by having them sentenced to a certain amount of time.
1: So basically all they're doing is shortening every sentence by four months. Yeah, basically.
0: I mean, right. kind of, because they're going, they're going, I think I read further that, you know, they can be put out into like a, a like not halfway like house. Yeah. Like a halfway house. Yeah. So they, right. you know, so they're technically still in the system, but they're not imprisoned in jail. Yeah. That, that makes a little more sense to
1: me. Which they already
0: do that. Oh my gosh, they do it all the time. It, it's a it's a money saver. It's it, you know ha- helps yeah. them get reintegrated in society. You know it just, it, uh yeah, I see it happening a lot. But again, I don't know codifying it. I think this is you know or pacifying the public somewhat. Maybe maybe these. What about uh creates new requirements in the event of uh execution of a no knock search warrant. Including that one, each participating member assigned a body worn camera and is following policies and procedures. Two, steps are taken in planning the search and uh, ensure accuracy of the plan for children and other vulnerable people on site. And three, if an officer becomes aware the search warrant was executed at an address unit or apartment different from the location listed on the search warrant that the member will immediately notify a supervisor. What okay, does this wait, sound wait. like, man? This sounds like, they <laughs> it sounds like they listened to our podcast last week and, uh, and wrote up, uh, yeah. ways that they could prevent a Brianna Taylor incident happening again.
1: First of all, so number one, you have to, I guess you can't do this warrant unless somebody's everybody has a body camera. So you got to, you know, fiscally uh, ensure that. So, I, I don't know how that works. Well, if all, okay, so they're falling apart. Number two, accuracy, plan, plan for children, other vulnerable people. I mean, yeah, that's response to Brianna, but I mean, we technically, theoretically, you already do that when planning a search warrant. And number three, if an officer was, was from the location listed, isn't that like, we can't, we can't even do that, right? What do you mean? Number three, if an officer becomes aware the search warrant was executed in an address at your apartment from the location listed on the search warrant, that the member will immediately notify you who ensure an internal investigation ensues. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's against the law. Yeah. I don't know I don't, I don't, <laughs> what I'm saying. You execute a search warrant at an address that's different from the location listed on the search warrant. How the heck does that work? I don't know.
0: But you know I number 2 with with the steps being taken to in the planning of the search warrant to ensure accuracy and plan for children and other vulnerable people I just keep remembering from that video the SWAT guy saying about how he's oh, done yeah. you know they have done workups for the search warrant and they said dogs and there there was no dogs or vice versa and then you know there was no children that there was children so
1: again Actually, I can't I can't get over number 3 I, I don't understand that one
0: like, the, is, is there really a problem with executing warrants that are not on the on the listed on the search warrant?
1: Yeah. We, we, what's, what do they call what what's the uh, rule where, where you like make, might make a mistake or a typo or something like that? Uh, good faith remember. exception. Yeah, maybe, maybe that. But I don't know what the heck. They're so talking they're like about. eliminating the good faith exception there. I don't even know what that is. No. So OK, folks. Number three, if an officer becomes aware the search warrant is executed at an address unit or apartment different from the location list on the search warrant, that member will immediately notify a super, supervisor, who will ensure an internal investigation ensues. So basically, what they're saying is, if you violate the law and if you violate the law and execute a search warrant at an address different from what's listed, you're supposed to notify a supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> right? Am I missing some of the data? No, that's what it says. <laughs> okay. All right. Good Good job, House Bill. Number one way to work that one in.
0: Yeah, really got us there. <laughs>
1: no, I like I this one.
0: Find... I like this one, the military equipment. I think this is where that posse comitatus comes into is that it prevents purchases of some military equipment, including tracked armored vehicles. Okay. like tanks like tanks how many times have you seen
1: tanks used by police uh no they have not been used what was that one video from like the early 90s up in california where the guy like hijacked a tank it was yeah, on the highway even remember that.
0: that yeah yeah but that wasn't the police
1: i know that was cool shit
0: weaponized aircraft you have to watch out if you're in uh in in Virginia, because you know their weaponized aircraft is in, enforces their speed limits down in, in there.
1: I'm joking. Grenade launchers.
0: Grenade launchers are prohibited. Pref- yeah,
1: grenade launchers. Okay, c- c- you you say the next one because I want to get to the last one.
0: <laughs> Firearms and ammunition, 50 caliber or higher. So again, okay. I, I don't even know if our QRT. T- I'm guessing our QRT team has a 50 cal rifle, but. Uh, yeah, I guess right. you just can't purchase
1: it from military. This is right, go ahead. ahead. Bayonets. Oh yeah, really? Bayonet. Yep.
0: Fix bayonets,
1: <laughs> Frank. <laughs> when the hell have you ever seen anybody outfitted with a bayonet?
0: Never. Actually, I don't even know if our r- rifles have the bayonet stud on them to accept the bayonet, but.
1: Did you have, did you have bayonet in the military?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had to do bayonet training. I haven't ever had to fix a bayonet. That's what I (laughs) mean. Actually, there is stories of, uh, you know, in the operation Iraqi freedom of, of people were fixing bayonets.
1: I can understand that it's close combat, but you know, still we're not, it's not like this is what, what there's gotta be some like old, like civil war movies, you know, fix bayonets. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like Gettysburg. Yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> the and thing is, is be. that, dude, are you
0: kidding me? Like, how many police departments are like actively purchasing bayonets? How many act- <laughs> police departments are purchasing grenade launchers, weaponized aircraft, uh, tracked armor vi- Like, it's just, it, it cracks me up. And I guess, I don't know. I, again, I think this is more of a, a to pacify the public or to make news. It's, I don't see it happening. Whatever. All right, moving but on. I will tell you that some of the stuff, you know, this military equipment, and uh, and it's not really particular to military, but I see it used in in SWAT teams. And you know, if you want to carry it, you can. But you know, some of the stuff that the military has, like these the, the good sappy plates, or you know these these plates for your vest carriers, they uh, you know that is good stuff to have. It's not necessarily military, though. Mm, yeah. All right, so we have another one here with uh, court reforms. Uh, not too long here. The uh, court reforms abolishes monetary bail.
1: Oh, God, We're getting into this again.
0: Following suit. Uh, There's a couple states. That did, yeah, New York. And we talked to Zeke back in season one about their yeah. uh, abolishment of monetary bail. And, and he said it was work. a mess.
1: Yeah. New Jersey had some... Well, New York tried to follow New Jersey, but New Jersey... To their credit, because they're a great state to be born in, had, uh, yeah. you know, had a little more, you know, I guess, rules in place to, you know, for situations involving monetary bail. However, New York said, eh, we're just going to get rid of monetary bail for the everything except for, like, these certain violent offenses, which is, like, five crimes. Very few. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Let's see what else. Oh, this is weird. I thought this was actually. I thought this was kind of BS. Uh the, ends the practice of suspending a driver's license for failure
1: to pay. Yeah, you 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 get your license suspended for failing to pay. I'm not necessarily against that. However, what is the punishment for getting a ticket and then not paying the fine?
0: Well, I mean, f- from it it appears as though nothing. <laughs> so, Seriously, like, wh- wh- why do you even need to get a driver's license then? I, just, I mean, you just keep, you just keep get racking up fines that you.
1: I mean, I'm assuming they're going to turn into a warrant, and you will have to answer to it. But again, it's the same thing. Like, okay, you got to pay this fine, but we're never going to suspend your driver's license. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that one. But I mean, I, I understand the rationale behind it. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to put people who are facing financial hardships, you know, make them beat them when they're down and just spend their license. However, there has to be some, you know, ramification or repercussion for not paying a fine. Like you violated the law, you got a ticket. It happens to everybody, so you have to pay a fine. But it, it, here's the thing, with, with, like Frank. You you know as well as I do. Like, it's not like the court says, "Okay, you got to pay 198 dollars now within 10 days." They got they got payment plans for like months, years.
0: Uh, I've seen them go like a five dollars a month. Yeah. For years.
1: So yes, it's it's good that we end the practice of suspending driver's license for failure to pay. The problem with that is there's really no repercussion for getting a ticket and not paying the ticket.
0: Right. And you can see people taking advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. They allow course to deviate from mandatory minimums. You know, that's not too bad. I don't like how some States have eliminated mandatory minimums. Uh, I don't know. I might be alone on that one, but I think that, you know, you, you commit an offense that meets that a certain level of violence uh, that that you know you should know that you 're getting a mandatory minimum that 's me, but I you know it 's not bad to allow the court to deviate from that because I know some judges don 't like mandatory minimums because they feel like they 're being boxed in with their yeah. sentencing uh and I get that because they want to have some discretion too in in their sentencing uh so i don 't have a problem with that
1: however, mandatory minimums are usually for like those appropriate like for, you know it 's for like guns and drug cases, you know what I mean, yeah. Yeah,
0: which again are more like the violent cases, right? All right, coming into the last section here the uh, the police licensure. Uh, so we could lose police could lose their certification if convicted, uh, enter a plea of nolo contendere, sentenced to supervision, conditional
1: discharge, or found guilty of the following of any Wait. felony. So, so what they're saying, sorry to interrupt, they're, they're saying that you could not get your, like, ability to be a cop. Right. Well, and I'm looking through the, are you kidding me?
0: Well, so the the list here, the new ones that they just added are the ones that I have starred. But, so basically, to just to finish my sentence here, is that basically any felony is going, that is going, it could, is going to, possibly lose your certification and then the following misdemeanors. And, you know, some of them are, uh, some of them are aggravated,
1: aggravated assault. Like, are you kidding me?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's appropriate. Wouldn't you say? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Criminal sexual abuse, indecent solicitation of a child, prostitution, uh, keeping a place of prostitution, uh, Deceptive practices. These are some that are specific to Illinois, but theft. Theft's an interesting one because theft can be.
1: It has to be misdemeanor theft. You know. Well, it's so. it's. It, it, well, I don't even know if Illinois has summary. Right. But I don't know. Theft. Because theft is considered you know, the criminal falsely. Right. Yeah,
0: deceptive. Escape, uh, aiding escape, harassment of jurors or witnesses. I mean, all these are like obvious, right? Uh, But here's – these are some of the ones that we – that they just added. Solicitation of a sexual act, public indecency, which – public indecency sounds like it could be vague, but I don't know if it's – you know, whatever. Indecent solicitation of an adult, solicitation to meet a child, domestic battery. So that one – that one could be an interesting one. Yeah. All domestic violence convictions prohibit one from carrying a gun. So that's why you would pff, you'd be decertified. Interfering with reporting of domestic violence, transmission of obscene messages. Hey, you got to stop sending your uh, dick pics. <laughs> un, un, by
1: unsolicited by dick har- pics. Harassment by telephone. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know what they should add to this? unlawful use of a computer (laughs) they have i don't uh, even i don't
1: don't even own a computer
0: (laughs) harassment through electronic communication evidence interference that you know evidence interference i mean i think that that's kind of uh specifically aimed at dirty cops who uh are and that i don't know exactly what that entails but you know does evidence interference mean that you turned off your body camera you know, is because it's evidence to a, a crime. that
1: is that just their version of tampering with evidence?
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, and then here we go. Uh, yeah. Any misdemeanor offense affecting governmental function, such as resisting a peace officer. Well, that should be obvious, too. If you're a cop and you're resisting another or cop. Or witness
1: tampering. Something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. They implement uh, two new officer misconduct databases. We already touched on that. And uh, this here. they're going to decertify officers for using excessive force in violation of state law. Yeah, no problem with that. Failing to intervene or render aid. This is going to be a tricky one. You know, we talked about it earlier. How clear is it? How subjective is it? Um, is it going to be so clean and clean cut? I, I doubt it. There's going to be definitely some cases that come out of there. Uh, tampering with dash or body camera for the purpose of concealing, destroying, altering evidence. Uh I can tell you that over the years, I've seen some pretty funny things happen with body cameras or or MVRs even too, where they point the point the camera up to the sky. Yeah. uh, They unplug them. They turn them off. Uh, I know at one point uh, I've seen agencies have to put out emails that says that, you know, if you're found to be one that have unplugged the MVR, that you will be subject to like major discipline some people just uh don't like change um
1: yep and it's not that they're concealing or anything they're just they don't like the idea of recording right that's stupid
0: but i think that that's changing as far as the uh our age changes in 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 producing yeah. i think many people who are 20 something right now uh grew up with video and they don't mind they don't mind it some of our salty
1: vets are not liking it. I think they got used to it. Engaging. So. And, and last one, engaging in unprofessional, unethical, deceptive. De, how do you pronounce that? Oh
0: goodness. Another one.
1: In, Deleterious. Oh, yeah. Improper conduct or practices harmful to the public. Uh, that's very, very uh, subjective as well.
0: Well, if you notice too, that, uh, for all of these, let's see here, for all of these, it says that you could lose if you are convicted, enter of plea of uh, guilty or nolo contendere, sentence to supervision, a conditional discharge. So you, like, you, there's a couple different ways that you could possibly lose your certification here, and they all don't have to be a conviction, uh, you could, again, just enter, enter a plea of no contendre, and boom, you know, you could possibly be losing your, your certification. So with anything, you know, Patrick and I uh, here at the Sideshow, look, we're not adverse to change. I don't think a lot of police officers are adverse to change, but we do want our, our rights uh, upheld as far as, hey, if you're going to say we did something wrong, then you're going to have to put something concrete down. Right. Right. Not that we're just trying to get out of getting in trouble. Like nobody wants to be um, falsely accused of something. You still want your due process. And that's where police unions get a lot of a slack or a lot of flack, I guess, F-L-A-K, uh, is that you know they're, they're, they're viewed as protecting bad cops, but basically they're just giving that officer their due process and ensuring their due process. Uh, It's actually kind of similar to like a defense attorney. You know, some defense attorneys are dirty and slimy snakes uh, and some are there to ensure that their client gets their due process that they, you know, if evidence was obtained illegally, that they, you know, that that be suppressed uh, that, you know, certain motions are filed, you know, at certain times. So it's whatever. But I'm sure we'll see some of this, uh, some more of these come across the state, especially the duty to intervene, uh, duty to render aid. That's that's big. Uh, I would assume that we're going to see a lot of training come across with de-escalation. I'm surprised that there's nothing about de-escalation in here. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that we'll see more come across about how to deal with people in crisis. Uh, that's a huge thing. And again, the crisis dealing with people in crisis, we've talked about this a couple of different times, especially when we talked about the Philly case, uh, the Lancaster city case in Pennsylvania and where dealing with crisis is not an easy cut and dry incident. Uh, and you just cannot send out a social worker because they'll get themselves killed.
1: Yeah. Or hurt. And we don't want to see that.
0: No, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to get hurt. Not us. not, Bad guys, EMS, whatever, the whole law enforcement umbrella.
1: Yeah. Another well episode. Right. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Yes, we appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, hey, listen, please uh, send us an email if you have any questions, gripes, complaints. If you have a different way of pronouncing nolo contendre, a different way of pronouncing allocute, uh, what else posse. did we have this morning? Yeah, posse comitatus. almost (laughs) pulled a a, a Chuck Schumer there. Uh, What else did we have? We had a bunch of different things. But either way, if if you want to tell us how you pronounce things, go ahead and send it to us. Check us out at theleosideshow.com. Check us out on Twitter at L underscore sideshow or on Instagram at theleosideshow. DM us. You can email us, frank at theleosideshow.com, patrick at theleosideshow.com. Go ahead and give us the five star rating. Share us. Tell us about your family. Listen, uh, if you want us to talk about something, deep dive into something. Uh, if you want to be a guest on the show, uh, reach out to us and, and let us know, and uh, we'll get you. We'll get you on here, and we'll make fun of you how you pronounce things. Yeah, maybe, and maybe you, you you get the the added benefit of of looking at Patrick in his uh, tank top. <laughs> hey man it's,
1: it's saturday morning i don't give a give a f what i look like right now
0: you have zero fs to give yeah mm. so, all right man all right well be safe out there everybody on the you know holding that blue line be safe uh everybody that uh supports the police thank you we appreciate it and uh thanks for joining us here at the leo sideshow